it simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike show, Nick Humphreys, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of Fain Effective, football training app, and Camp's brand with over 2 million followers on social media. Welcome to the Tea with Mike show, Nick. How are you? Hi, Mike. Been a long time coming. I'm so excited, man. Yes. Me too. I think we're going to have a really good time today. I love football too, and it's always nice to connect with a football enthusiast. And we're about to discover you've kind of taken that to a whole other level. So let's kind of start at the very beginning. Where did you grow up and where do you call home now? Yeah, sure. I mean, first of all, I think this podcast is going to be really interesting if you love sports, if you love what the journey is like to build a, a sports company, in particular soccer. So I think anyone that that loves like that human connection, loves sports, loves group activities, loves just that journey in general, I think you guys are going to love this. So I can't wait to speak my mind about it. Where am I from? I'm from, well, where do you guess from my accent? From the UK. No. <laughs> oh. I just saw Gary Vee tweet about this. He, he tweeted a, a magpie, uh, like a V Friend series two magpie. And like, if anyone knows where magpies are from, Australia. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Canberra, Australia. So Canberra is a capital city of Australia. That's where I was born. That's where I was raised. My accent is not 100% Aussie, 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 because I've lived in a lot of different countries around the world. But yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm from, Australia. And where are you currently residing? I'm in Switzerland. I spend basically a lot of my time either in Switzerland or abroad. The company Train Effective is based in London. So I do spend an awful amount of time in London or the UK. But yeah, being everywhere since COVID, the pandemic's essentially been over. So Awesome. And so then kind of growing up as a kid, what, what were some of your favorite childhood memories and why? I had a really good childhood growing up in Canberra in Australia in the, the suburbs. I was really like a suburban kind of middle class kid, you could say. You know, I love my sports. I loved, I loved basically my two passions in life from early were football or sports and entrepreneurship. From as early as seven, eight years old, I was going around my block in summer around the neighborhood and I'd offer to do car washes. So I'd have my bucket and my sponge and I'd knock on doors and literally say, hey, for five bucks, can I wash your car? And then, you know, maybe every three out of four would say no, but it's that one out of four that'd say yes. And I get some money for the summer and I'd buy candy or buy a game, a video game, whatever it was. And that was always my passion. It was entrepreneurship and it was playing football, which would happen after the car washes. Awesome. And then, so let's take the football first. Second, what sort of positions did you play like growing up? Were you a quick winger? Were you a striker? Were you uh, like goalkeeper? Actually, my first ever game when I was eight years old, we were playing, I think it was when you're seven, eight years old, you play in the smaller fields. You don't play 11 aside yet. So I think it was a six aside game. Um, and it was my first ever game. And coach gave me this very long kit, which was the goalkeeper's kit. And I played goalkeeper. Yeah, I played goalkeeper my first game. And my, my first season ever playing soccer, I was actually a goalkeeper. And I was goalkeeper for most of the season. I think the second half of the season, I moved to more like a winger or a striker. But yeah, actually, my first memories were playing as goalkeeper. I'm anticipating that, that you're pretty quick. Like, how fast can you run like a, a hundred meters or something like that? Yeah, it's been, I've been working on my upper body lately. So if you're listening to this, I look lean. 
Um, hopefully I look lean enough. But anyway, no, like, yeah, I've usually played on the wing most of my life or as a fullback that would get up the wing. So my qualities tend to be my pace, my shooting, crossing. Yeah, I'm always someone on the on the sideline. So, so yeah, you're right about that, Mike. Awesome. And we'll do the reverse. I didn't play, obviously, as competitively as you for a long period of time, but I did play... I think it was like a season and a bit competitively. Like, what position do you think I played? Well, there's defender, striker, midfielder, and goalkeeper. So where were you played? I think either maybe a central midfielder. Definitely not. Goalkeeper. No. Defender. Yes. Center defender, central defender. No. (laughs) Really? Right defender. Nope. Left defender, yeah. Yeah, left back. Left back, I'm not fast at all, but what I lack in pace, I make up for determination. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah, so I played for a season, got uh, voted like the most improved player. It was one of those things that I didn't end up carrying on with, but I mean, it would have been interesting to see how far I could have taken it, like if I played for a second season, right? Because it's more physically demanding than you think. So like most of the first season was kind of building up a good physical level. So if I'd kept going, hopefully I would have only like, got better, right? Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, that strong mentality is needed in that position, so nice one. Yeah, okay. And then just on the school subject side, did you have any favorite school subjects? Obviously, I'm guessing physical education is probably one of them, but did you have any others? Like, were you a math guy or English, those types of things? Yeah, early on, I was actually, like, in advanced math. So you had, like, general, credit, advanced, and advanced. You had advanced extended, so you had, like, four levels, and I think I was in the highest math one. But that, that's because my mom's Japanese, and she just, she really wanted me to be good at math and English, or school in general. So she sent me to this, uh, like, extracurricular thing called Kumon, which maybe some people have heard of. But I think after I stopped going to Kumon when I was, I don't know, 13 or 14, then I, I kind of dropped down, and I wasn't so... As soon as algebra came, I just didn't see the point. So, yeah, I was good at math early on but really the the main main subjects for me have always been the, the ones i've taken the most interest in interest in history psychology and just economics or business in general sports has always just been something really fun so obviously you spent time in australia so have you, have you ever played cricket yeah i did you know i grew up in the suburbs so in the suburbs you got kids in the area we play we'll get the we'd roll out the bin oh the bin cricket nice yeah, in the on the road, and would like would play some cricket. So yeah, I played cricket, but never never seriously. Okay, and so I believe you moved to Budapest with your family as a teenager. So did you remember how you felt about moving countries at the time, and how different was your life in Budapest versus Australia? Yeah, so as I said, I, I, I grew up in Australia. Just went to like your regular public school there. My dad was working for like the Australian government. So he found out he was getting posted to Budapest, Hungary, so Eastern Europe. And I just kind of remember coming back home from school one day and my brother telling me, hey, did you hear the news about dad like getting posted? It's like, okay, where? Like Hungary. It's like, where's Hungary? Like, what's that? That's how I first learned about Budapest. And most kids might be a little bit like, apprehensive nervous maybe they don't want to leave all their friends and stuff i was so excited oh really I, yeah I, I found out about it over christmas moved there in july so there was like a seven month period of, i was so excited i couldn't wait to go to a new country i couldn't wait to go to a new school i was being told i'll, I'll go to like an american school in budapest so i was like oh wow this is going to be like high school musical um <laughs> I was so excited, yeah. Did you watch High School Musical growing up? Yeah, High School, yeah, I mean, 
you know, if I go over to friends' houses, there'd be the Disney Channel ones. So what what, what was on the Disney Channel in 2006, 7, 8 was High School Musical. <laughs> so I was like, oh, cool. Could do some singing and dancing. Nice. To be fair, I've also, I have a younger sister who's like seven years younger than me. And I've watched High School Musical because it's just been what's on <laughs> the, at the television. And I'm going to admit that I actually quite enjoyed it. I love theater and anything like creative and anything with a good story. And I think it has a good storyline and, it, and it's kind of energetic because there's a lot of obviously like song and dance. And so, yeah, full credit. I actually enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I've watched the first High School Musical probably at least two or three times. Well, Zac Efron and Vanessa. What was the names in the... Anyway, maybe it's maybe it's something not important for this, but like... <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> no, good stuff. Uh, and then so... What inspired you to like go from starting to play football around the age of eight? Yeah, what sort of motivated you to... And interest you to keep like developing and pushing it beyond just playing kind of casually? Yeah, so... Kind of back to that story with moving to Budapest as a 15-year-old now. I was just playing like kind of the average like Sunday league level. So, you know, I wasn't, I loved playing, but I never took it more seriously than that. When I moved to Budapest, when I moved to Europe, that's when I saw that, wow, football here, soccer here is like on another level. Like I went to some games and one of my first matches was watching Chelsea against West Ham at Stamford Bridge in, uh, in London. And just the noise, the atmosphere, the how passionate people were, that really inspired me. And living in Hungary, living in Budapest, you know, every Tuesday, Wednesday, you'd have the Champions League. Every weekend, you'd have the football. Everyone would watch soccer, 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 football. And me playing was just, I was really inspired by that. So I picked up a self-help book because I was at 14, 15, 16, I was reading different like business motivational books at the time. I read this motivational one called The Magic of Thinking Big. And if you ever have read The Magic of Thinking Big, it, it's like, it'll kind of just expand your mind to think of the biggest dream you possibly have and go after it. So at the time, you know, I thought, I already knew at the young age, I just, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But there was this feeling I got after reading this book where I was like, look, entrepreneurship is going to always be the thing with me, but I reckon I should have a go at this football thing. I should... I think, you know, I'm so inspired here in Europe. I want to try to become a pro. So I, I made the decision. I'm going to try to become a pro footballer. And similar to what you've done with the podcast, Mike, I like, I started basically documenting the whole journey. I started a blog in 2009 called Chasing the Dream. You can still view the posts I was writing as a 15, 16 year old online if you just look for it. But I would start basically making a weekly reflection of me pursuing this, this goal. And I would kind of share what I learned along the way. I read another book called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Don't know if you read it, Mike, but in there it talks about the 10,000 hour rule. And if you guys don't know what the 10,000 hour rule, it's basically to be world-class in your field. So if you want to be like a chess grandmaster or an elite sportsman or a sportswoman, you've got to practice 10,000 hours of in your craft to be world-class. So I was doing the calculations, running the math in my head. And I was like, okay, well, I'm only training a couple of hours a week now. If I'm going to become better, world-class, if I'm going to be the top 1%, I have to train 20 hours a week for 10 years. That's how I get to 10,000 hours. So I literally started training 20 hours a week. I'd go down to the local fields near my house. I'd get to school early, wake up 6 a.m., you know, get an early bus to school if it was snowing outside i use a basketball court and use the walls like if it was if there was snow outside anyway i'd still go train so i do all these things to basically train 20 hours a week while i was training i'd like 
I'll try and find all the exercises, the drills, the motivational content, the analysis of Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi playing so I could learn how to play like them. I'd look at all these things. I'd train myself looking at all this material and I'd create schedules and just work on them every single week. So after about one year of doing this 20 hour a week schedule, some, some bright moments came. I got some tryouts with a, my first tryout was with a professional team in, uh, in England called AFC Wimbledon. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was, as a, I was a 16, 17 by now. I went, went over there to trial, basically got rejected by the, the third training session. But from there it was just, okay, I know this is going to be a process. I know this is going to be a journey. All I have to do is understand what are my strengths and what, what are my weaknesses. So the coach would give me all this feedback He'd say like, Nick, you're really good at your shooting, but your, your right foot's great, but your left foot, your weak foot's really not good. So you've got to work on that. Your strength is not great. You've got to work on that. So I'd basically take a list of these things, go back home and work on those things. And so another six months later, I actually earned a tryout to the, the Australian national team in Australia. I got a trial to the national team. Again, got rejected. I got similar feedback again, which things I need to improve. But it was validation. It was like, oh, I'm getting better. I can compete with these national team players as the best in Australia, and I can work from there. So long story short, I just kept improving, kept getting rejected, but always took that feedback on board until eventually I got offered a contract to play professionally in Europe. And so that was my journey from kind of 15 to... 1920 i played football at a high level but i always knew entrepreneurship was was the thing so i'd have all these different business ideas i was doing i had social networks because facebook and things things like that were big at the time so i was like trying to do a, a social network which was just for teenagers i had all these drop shipping stores i'd, I'd drop ship like webcams because webcams were really a thing at the time i'd like drop ship apple product like i do a lot of different things and i was quite good at it but i don't think i was 100 percent passionate about those things Whenever the idea of something with soccer came up, I always thought, oh, it's too niche. Like, I want to do something big here. So, like, why do something with soccer? Like, you know, people that are training, it's maybe a very small market or whatever. But I started doing the research and I started really thinking about, well, I mean, who cares how big the market is or small? Like, I'm really, really passionate about this. And I basically, in back in 2015, I was like, okay, if I had a dream platform where on my journey of trying to become a pro, what if there was a, a platform where I had all the drills, all the workouts, all the content at my disposal, a community of like-minded people, you know, what if that was there for me? How, how much better, how much easier would this journey have been? And that's how Train Effective was born. Awesome, man. So that sounds very motivational, very self-driven. So growing up, as you've gone through your early kind of uh, like football days, like who motivates you? Who's inspired you? Because that's crazy to have that mentality at such a young age. So who has kind of influenced that along the way? Every time I've been asked this question, I think I can always point out to, you know, guys like I read the autobiography of uh, Richard Branson. That's a guy that's lived on his own terms, had did all these passion projects and did crazy guerrilla stunts to promote Virgin. And so I always looked up to guys like him, just any, any of the top kind of entrepreneurs, especially 10, 15 years ago, Richard Branson, you know, Bill Gates, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. So guys like that, Gary Vaynerchuk, of, of course, Gary V was someone I started following in 2010 because I saw him uh, do a Shopify contest and I knew who Seth Godin was, who was one of the judges of the Shopify contest and next to Seth Godin 
was Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was like, okay, this guy must be someone. And I started researching about Gary and I was like, oh, he's got this book called The Thank You Economy. Economy. And it's about like basically gratitude towards your customers, building community on social media. And that's something I really gravitate, gravitated towards. So Gary Vee has always been a big part of that as well. But yeah, I think for me is like since a young age, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew business, I knew building a company or maybe an empire one day. That is what I wanted to do. I was obsessed with Monopoly. I was obsessed with I love with Monopoly. Games. Yeah, Monopoly. I was obsessed with like, you know, these computer games like Roller Coaster Tycoon? Yes. Where you build your empire? Yeah, and I was obsessed. I, I, I was also huge on Neopets. If anyone remembers Neopets, I was like eight, nine years old, like playing these games to earn, to like build out a store. That's how I learned how to program actually. But yeah, basically like I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I think that really the motivation was at that young age, oh, I think I can be someone. So I better use these kind of gifts or this passion I have to my full advantage. And I want to reach my full potential in this field. I never want to waste a minute I never want to waste a week without trying to be my best in this thing. And and yeah, that's really what it comes down to, I think. Gotcha. I'm just very impressed from how from such a young age, it seems that you've ended up developing this very like clear like vision and strategy. Obviously, it hasn't been necessarily always easy, but how your mind has always seemed to stay focused on maybe the end goal, even if you might not necessarily know as you're exploring and you're adjusting and you're changing like what that kind of like end goal is, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the vision is always to create something really meaningful and impactful that can, you know, hopefully inspire millions across the world. Did I ever think when I was 12 years old or 15 that it would be something with sports? I don't think so. But I've always been a guy that just kind of follows his heart and does the things that he's most passionate about. And, you know, I I used to work a little bit in banking. I worked at UBS in, in banking and kind of saw that side as well and I realized like okay I actually didn't mind being in the financial world either I was actually in a really kind of good job I worked in Zurich Switzerland like it was kind of oh, crazy dude game. yeah so it was like Wolf of Wall Street but like <laughs> but my, my, my heart my passion was always you know how can we impact people in the most meaningful way and for me that was through Train Effective so yeah that's awesome. I'm obviously going to get to great effective, but we're going to have a little tea fact for the episode. I'll give you a chance to catch your breath and then we'll jump right back into it. So today's tea fact is tea apparently contains the same healthy compounds as broccoli, flavonoids and natural plant compounds that have potential health benefits and foods like grapes, uh, berries and broccoli all contain them. Tea is an especially rich sauce that have all these healthy flavonoid compounds. And then according to a USDA database, one cup of black tea has 170 milligrams of flavonoids, while one cup of broccoli has about three milligrams. And that comes from www.blogs.webmd.com slash diet dash nutrition. So just a little snippet from the tea industry, Nick. Do you like tea or is it all about water being an athlete? I love tea. I love tea. I was actually a huge fan of loose leaf tea. One of my friends whose name is Phil Carrera, he actually started a tea company called From Tea. And he actually appeared on Dragon's Den. Oh, wow. Yeah, and got three, I think three offers of investment for his tea company. So I was one of the early buyers of that loose leaf tea. And I I like tea. I like my tea, yeah. Do you drink it often or is it more of a a casual drink for you? I'll probably drink tea a couple of times a week. 
I try not to have the caffeinated, like the green tea. I love my green tea because just because I'm Japanese and big culture there with tea. Yeah, I love the green tea. Tea is part of the culture, so so I I like my tea. It's been given to me since I was a kid from my mom. But I I really prefer my herbal herbal teas. Sometimes the fruit if I have a little bit of a sweet tooth, but it's usually the herbal kind of the herbal tea to relax after a long day. Also, you might not know, but like on a previous episode of the podcast, I actually had a Japanese certified tea advisor. His name is uh, Ricardo. Oh my God, I'm going to mess up his last name. Kaiseido. <laughs> and it, yeah. it was it was just really interesting to learn from somebody that's actually kind of studied it as an actual career. And he teaches people all about tea and offers like tea tasting classes. And he's built this whole little like business centered around tea. And so I, that was a fascinating episode learning from someone that's learned from like experts in the field uh, like from the ground up and so i think maybe japan would be an interesting country for me to visit in the future just and you would be able to test to this too a little bit just for the whole the tea culture and how they grow it all and it's not just putting on a kettle there's a whole like process in like making the tea right yeah, like Japan is my favorite country in the world. I love Japan. I love when you go to Japan, it's a different world. It's different culture. It's one of an enormous amount of respect and respect to different like cultural customs and traditions and tea. Tea is one of them. And, and yeah, I think, Mike, you need to do an episode in Japan at like a tea, like a tea ceremony or something. Yeah, <laughs> I will definitely keep that that in mind. Never say never, right? Nah, you'll do it one day. I'm sure one day okay yeah i can just picture it i think it would be really cool yeah so, uh, so 200 in uh in japan all right we'll work on getting some sponsors for the podcast so, so we can make that possible <laughs> nice okay who's your favorite football team let's go there for a second grew up supporting chelsea football club and now i'm just playing effective fc i don't know if you can see my thing here it says effective fc i can see it yeah, with Train Effective, we're increasingly playing our own matches. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that, that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're increasingly playing our own matches with, with Train Effective. So we're doing all these camps now, and players from those camps are playing in the team. So oh. they got all the kids. It looks great. It looks amazing. And so I'm just now, these days, after kind of being in this world for a long time, I'm more, much more of a neutral. I'm more Train Effective FC than any <laughs> anyone, really. Cool. Let's quickly go back to this. So obviously uh, you did an interview on the in-game podcast. Like we've already sort of established so far here, you always had that entrepreneurial knack. It's always something sports and business were two things from an early age that have always interested you. And if you think back to your early entrepreneurship days when you were like washing cars, for example, and even your footballing days when you experienced some early rejection, but kind of kept bouncing back. So if you take those different experiences, what is a skill that you think that you've developed from basically those experiences that you continue to apply in the current day? Persistence. I think this is so vital persistence so with the, the the story of knocking on doors at seven eight nine years old like the car washing you know it was like i was printing out flyers i was putting them in mail, mailboxes no one called our house phone i told my parents that i left the house phone number on the flyer so i think i actually had to recollect those flyers so anyway that was a failed initiative with putting flyers around the block but knocking on doors again most would say no i, I remember i had a friend with me my friend Adam would come with me like 
<laughs> knocking on these doors and he'd be like, Nick, what are we doing here? What are you doing? People are not going to like accept the, these young guys washing their car. But I was like, Adam, look, we're going to do it. We're going to, I promise you, like it's going to work. And it did. So that kind of persistence thing, that kind of proving not just others wrong, but your, yourself that, you know, something's possible. I think I've always kind of, I've had that in me. And it's also a skill you have to learn is, is to keep going. And, you know, further I kept going. I started all these different business ideas. I remember I had a business idea where I drop ship refurbished iPods from the Apple website onto eBay. And I make like a 20, 10 to $30 profit on each drop shipped iPod Nano, iPod Shuffle, iPod, whatever it was back then. And it was a very lucrative business making me thousands a month. And then Apple called me one day and told me to stop. So then I had to find a new idea and then the new ideas didn't work. And then I had another idea where I was making explanation videos for companies. And I had the number one search term for explainer videos, for startup videos, animated website videos. And I was again, making like really good money. It was, it was cool. And then Google changed their algorithm. I think it was called the Panda update. And then, and then I suddenly started getting no traffic. So anyway, like all these lessons, all these failures uh, from like a young age, it was always like, keep persistent, keep going. With the football journey, it was, I'm going to go on these trials, not expecting anything other than feedback, other than what can I improve? What can I get better? Because I know that success is not going to be an overnight journey. It's not going to be a journey that happens in a few months. This is years. This is yeah, decades even because, well, it is decades because I think I, as I've learned now, even if you do reach a milestone, like let's say when we work with Rio Ferdinand, I thought that was going to be the milestone where, oh, I've made it. Like now I'm going to be hanging out with, I don't know, all these celebrities, like I'm going to be earning millions of dollars, whatever it is. I thought that was going to be the, I make, I made it moment, but it doesn't happen like that. There's always a next step and next milestone to reach. And I know now, you know, I'm, I'm 28 years old now, but I know that's how it's going to be until, until the day that I not here anymore. So like, this is just going to be a long journey and I'm just like, I'm pumped for it. Yeah. Persistence. That's why persistence is key. It's persistence. Persistence and just loving the journey, like trusting the process, but just loving the journey through the ups and the downs. Fantastic, man. And then so on your LinkedIn page, it says that you founded kickitdeals.com in 2008 and then a startup video in 2012. So kind of how old were you when you started these and what inspired you to found them? Yeah, so when I was a teenager, I was really into soccer shoes, football shoes. Yeah, I knew every model. I knew the price point of every low to high tier Nike, Adidas, Puma, under armor boots and you know i buy them and obviously i'd wear them to, to matches but one of the reasons i also knew it is because that's what i was drop shipping at the time and i basically realized that if i imported shoes from america and sold them in australia that i could i could put a markup on every shoe and yeah it would be a healthy markup of anywhere from whatever it was, 30 to $100. So I, that's when e-commerce was coming up at the time and there was not really an online store for soccer in Australia. I mean, there was a few, but there was not really a, a really good one. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna make this website called Kick It Deals. And I made kickitdeals.com. I, I just literally named it Australia's like online soccer <laughs> retailer. And I would basically 
set up Octiva. It was basically e-commerce like software you'd use. And I installed that. I learned how to like install that. I learned how to put all the products in there. I learned how to update prices and I'd like put that on there. And literally the way people would find it was through Google search. So if they searched in Adidas Copa Mundial or Adidas Predator Australia, long tail keywords or organic search, the kicker deals would show and I'd get an order, maybe one, two, three every day. And that was kicker deals. Yeah. And I'd just drop ship. I'd literally be like, okay, someone ordered an Adidas Predator in size nine. Okay. Let me go to soccer.com or the other US soccer sites and like, let me place this order and ship it to the Australian guy's home. Oh, yeah, okay. That, that, that's how... yeah, that's what I do. And no one was really, I don't think too many people were doing that at the time, but that's what I do. I'll just be like, okay, this guy put in the order. I'm just going to like put it in that website and they'll ship it. But the only problem was I realized how long it would take to update all the stock, mm. hundreds of items of stock every, yeah, every week. And, you know, besides schoolwork and all that stuff, it was just getting too much. So sometimes someone would place an order and I realized they didn't have the size on the website. So that's when I got, I think my first employee was someone at school, which I'd say like, Hey, can you like update? Can you check the website every day and re-input the, the, re-input the stock in my website? Oh, so it was accurate. So that's, so you didn't run into that problem. Yeah. 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 Because like, gotcha. people would place an order and they pay money and I'd be like, Oh, I can't get it. Nine anymore. So then I have to like refund the person and then it would just be, it wasn't good customer experience. So anyway, lessons learned. And then startup video, like what was that all about? Yeah. So startup video was the one I was talking about. I, I, I really loved company stories and company journeys. And at that time, like 10 years ago, people really wanted to have like videos to explain their product or service. Um, now it's just common practice, but then it was like, kind of unique so i'd make these like one to three minute explainer videos that would explain someone's product or, or service and we actually i mean i was only maybe 18 at the time 19 at the time doing that i didn't realize who i was really working with because people would just send fill out a form and then i just like okay this this company looks cool i'm going to work with them and then yeah but some one of them ended up being adblock plus and adblock plus is like the most used ad blocker in the world and at that, that time I didn't I didn't realize anyway that was company that was the explainer videos company after that came train effective so awesome all right let's go to like I guess train effective next so obviously you've yeah. mentioned it earlier you spent a little time working in banking you said you weren't fully fulfilled and so how did train effective came to be what was that first moment when you were like this is a good idea let's start exploring yeah so I was as I, I was going on my football journey I thought there could be a better place for all the people that were training in their sport that could connect. I always thought that there wasn't a market for this, but I was like, you know, I know what the lean startup methodology is. I know what building an MVP means now. I was actually reading a lot of Tim Ferriss at the time. So Tim Ferriss is really big on running these experiments to test the market and test if there's demand for your product or service or idea. So I was like, okay, I'm going to create this MVP of train effective. I had this blog at the time, which I mentioned earlier, where I already had like a readership of maybe a couple hundred people that would read that blog. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I already have like an audience of a couple hundred. So I'm going to, I'm going to test this on them. I made this like one page of what I envisioned train effective to look like. And I filmed some exercises at the local park. So I just had this very early idea of 
what Train Effective was on this blog website. I published it, shared it with my audience, and then I just kind of looked at the traffic, looked at if anyone was actually watching the videos, taking in feedback, taking some notes, and I saw that actually like, oh, some people are actually using this. So then the next step was, well, would people actually pay for this thing? So I put a paywall around it, and long behold, we got the first customer, and I was like, okay, this really could be something. And that was a really early, early MVP of Train Effective. The earliest, earliest community were those people reading my blog, and that's how it started, yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit more like about Train Effective, a little bit more about like what it's all about, and then how it utilizes kind of as social media to not only reach people, but also build community? Yeah, so from that early time at Train Effective, it then became like, okay, there's interest for this thing. Now, how do I get more people to see it? So I would then create a Snapchat account. On that Snapchat account, I had posts, my journey playing. I was in Switzerland at the time, so I'd like, I'd be playing semi-professionally and I'd like take stories and document the journey as Gary would say, document the journey of that. So I'd do that. I'd, you know, do more stuff with search engine optimization. I'd start putting the Snapchats and, and label them as Snapstorms on YouTube. So that was another way to get more viewership and build that audience. So over maybe the course of one or two years, I was able to grow a following of maybe a couple of hundred that would read the blog to now a couple of, a couple of thousand, I think close to 10,000. So that's how I built the early, early community of Train Effective. As we were doing that, I built up the website. Any savings I had from working in banking, I literally put it all in Train Effective. So I'd hire freelancers to help me on the development. I'd hire some other people to do the, the marketing SEO work. And that's what I do. That's how I build the, the early community of Train Effective. And it just went from there. The early employees were people that actually use the website. I remember our first full-time developer was someone who actually emailed me and said, Nick, I really love Train Effective. I just completed my computer science degree. Can I help out? I was like, yeah, sure. Here you go. Come on in. And you know, that was a guy who really built out the early stuff of Train Effective. And when we transitioned more to like a full platform, like a full website, again, I would continue the kind of more guerrilla marketing. I'd start a daily vlog. And in that daily vlog, I did a daily vlog called the 100 day challenge to pro. So when daily vlogging was hot five years ago, I started this challenge. I'd upload a video every single day and I'd go around Europe trying to become a pro footballer whilst using Train Effective. So again, that was a huge catalyst. It was, it was a viral challenge. It got millions and millions of views. And that's how the community kept growing. And then maybe we got to 50 or 100,000 in the community followers. And yeah, now we're at over 2 million. So big. <laughs> or there's more to come, but like, yeah, it's, it definitely happened all organically. What's been some of the challenges of building the company so far from the ground up? Number one thing that comes to mind is being bootstrapped, meaning that we've relied on virtually no external investment, no funding rounds, no investors. It's been very much tooth and nail, scrappy, fighting for every single dollar, reinvesting every single dollar back into the growth of Train Effective. And what that's meant is we, the early employees of, of Train Effective, we're all working remotely and we're all a bunch of young guys. So back in 2017, we we're like, guys, I was like, guys, let's move to London. London is where all the stuff with soccer, with football is happening. Let's move there. Let's make something happen. So I got a house for five of us. 
it's like a five bedroom like warehouse place in North London. And all of us from all around the world, uh, yeah, again, like five of us moved in this house. And that's where we lived and breathed and worked on Train Effective. So yeah, it's being bootstrapped. It's doing things like that to maximize the efficiency, maximize the time we had together to build Train Effective and just being really scrappy. And again, just like, just doing all those kind of things to just do everything in our power to grow, 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 and just make this like an amazing journey. So we got scared at any point along the way. I mean, the average person probably wouldn't move into a house with four complete strangers. I've watched a YouTube video on those early days and I was like, well, these guys really like took a risk and it's, it's kind of cool to see it like paying off gradually. Yeah, I mean, we I literally got this house and then I think a week or two later after I signed the contract for this place, the guys all flew in and everyone kind of arrived on the same day. So Corby, Hashir, John Moses, Marsha, and these were the early people in Train Effective. We all literally just rocked up in the house and we're like, hey guys, like nice to meet you. Like, yeah, we've kind of talked on video call for the last, whatever, six months, 12 months. And now we're li- going to be living together. So it's definitely one of those things I'll never forget. We literally went to Ikea the next day and like started buying the furniture and constructing it. And and yeah, let's say it was a great idea, I think. And it was a risk. I think you could feel everyone's heart was in it. And it ended up being a really pivotal thing for Train Effective because what ended up happening was it's not only where we'd build out Train Effective, the app, but people on our social media found out we had this house and wanted to come stay with us. So people would DM us and be like, hey, can I train with you guys? Can I live at the house and like train with you? And we're like, oh, okay, this is like, no one's ever asked this before. That's how we launched the in-residence camp program, which basically is a camp residency. So it literally started with this 15 year old kid from Sweden who'd watched our YouTube videos and was like, hey, can I come over? We're like, okay, sure, but we need to, you know, charge some money to cover all the food cover the housing costs, cover all the training that you'd be doing. It started like that with that 15 year old. Fast forward to now, we'll have 600, yeah, close to 600 players this year around the world. So it's pretty crazy. That right there is like nuts. If you just stop and think of that, like, did you ever imagine as you were building this, you would get to that point? That's just crazy. People flying into different airports, like coming to, to your training camp, to your residence camp. That's just mind blowing. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Like now that I even think about it now, my heart <laughs> starts beating yeah. really fast. Like it's one of those things that you would just never know. I would never have guessed we'd be doing something like that five, six years ago. But that's what happens when you just kind of like follow your heart. My heart was saying we should go to this house. I have a really good feeling and vibe with all these guys. Let's just see how it goes. And that's what ended up happening. <laughs> Remind me how long Trend Effective has been in business? So 2015 is when I I started doing those early sketches and putting in the blog. It's not until 2017, I really went full time hard on it. So yeah, let's say the better part of five to six years, I guess. Five, six years? Five to seven, seven, roughly. And you guys don't live together anymore? No. (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the inspirations for going in that house was like watching shows like Silicon Valley, uh, the HBO series. By the way, if you've never watched Silicon Valley, it's one of my favorite series of all time. It's so funny. (laughs) So watch Silicon Valley. It's so relatable, but there's Silicon Valley. There's also clips when, you know, Gary Vee had like the Ask Gary Vee show or like Daily Vee. He would literally be like, really want to be an entrepreneur. If you really want to make your company successful, then go and live 
in a in a flat with like five or ten of roommates roommates like live in a one bedroom you know how gary would be so I was yes. like, something was like oh this is the best most efficient way to grow this company i think what we learned was after about six months maybe a year when you live together not only live together when you work together on what is everyone's kind of baby what if what is everyone's kind of life and purpose of being there and you're living together meaning you're washing dishes you're cleaning toilets you're you're being respectful to others around you and you're in a place like london where it's mm. you know it's it's crowded it's a small space it's not a huge mansion like i think that's when like yeah we just realized i think it's more productive to have our own quarters and work remotely and then maybe meet up every few months i think that was the best way yeah but you couldn't have got to the secondary one without doing the first one right so it's it's interesting yeah no i know i mean there's no regrets we've never have done the camps stuff that we're doing now unless it was for that house we would never have built the bonds we we still have those some of those guys are still with the company today we would never have built that culture and that real journey and that story the content we would never have done that without the house so there's so many benefits yeah right and so it's my understanding that former manchester united footballer rio ferdinand creates content for the train effective app how did you get him on board and how has his involvement helped train effective grow so Rio is again one of my idols. Rio Ferdinand is one of my idols from when I was a teenager. If you don't know who Rio Ferdinand is, he is a Manchester United legend. Rio is considered one of the greatest defenders of all time in, in soccer. You know, he's played against Lionel Messi. He played with Cristiano Ronaldo. He's coached by arguably the greatest manager to ever live, Sir Alex Ferguson. But, you know, the thing about Rio is when he was playing at Manchester United and when they were winning Champions Leagues and he was playing for England, he would actually have some business ventures going on. Actually write about him in, in my blog. I'd be like, how is this guy one of the best players on the planet, but also running his own restaurant, running a magazine, doing all these business ventures? I thought, wow, this guy is like, he's really ambitious. He's really going for it. And so when it came to the time years later about uh, with building Train Effective, I thought Rio was going to be the perfect content creator, the perfect brand ambassador. Yeah, basically reached out to his agent cold, didn't get a reply. But what did I say before about persistence? <laughs> we kept going, kept persisting, got an email back, got a phone call, got a meeting, eventually got a meeting with Rio. And that was that. Rio saw the app. Rio saw what we're doing with Train Effective. He said, I want to be a part of that. And that's when you go on the app today, you'll see some pictures and imagery of Rio, but most importantly, you'll see his masterclass on the mentality of a world-class athlete. So if you want to learn any like mentality tips, just download the train effective app, go to the mentality section and you'll see Rio's content there. That's just super cool. That whole like, like persistency thing. And eventually like, I'm guessing here from an outside perspective that his agent must have seen something, either the product probably checked it out himself or like the way that you pitched it, it must have been a point where he was like, mm, Rio might like this, right? Because he's representing Rio. And so even moments like that, it's cool that you've managed to persuade the barrier to you getting to one of your idols that this is worth even showing it to Rio for like five, 10 seconds, right? Yeah. And I think it all comes down to just like following your, your heart and just kind of like being passionate about what you're building. Like Rio would always talk about discipline, about ambition, about to become the best player, you got to train, you got to work hard. I really felt like he embodied the story of Train Effective. So, you know, if he met with me for five minutes, 
I think I'd be able to explain my journey, as I've said in this podcast, tell him about how that's led to Train Effective, and also tell him about why I was inspired by him in the past, about the things he's spoken about, and why I think he could be a good fit for Train Effective. And that's why it's so exciting, the journey, especially going ahead the next five, 10 years. Every elite athlete, every professional athlete, anyone that's ever become a success understands that journey, understands persistence, understands like all those things I've talked about with Train Effective. And that's why it's not really persuasion, I'd say. It's more like, no, this is a story and this is what we're trying to do. And people usually really gravitate towards that. So, yeah. So are there any plans to get other footballers or managers involved in creating content in the future? Yeah, definitely. But it's top secret. I could talk about the NFTs in the future, but it's all top secret. <laughs> I mean, we're, we have close to half a million players now on the app. We have ambitions to take this really global. Um, right now, like the top markets or the top audiences and players that use Train Effective is like from the US and the UK. But, you know, English is only spoken by 20% of the world. So we got ambitions to really take this global. There's things brewing in Asia. There's things brewing, you know, all over the world. So this is really just a start for Train Effective. There's also things that we want to do with other sports as well. But this is why that the, the long-term journey, it's going to be a ride. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so some exciting things. Definitely some diversification in the future, taking the principles of kind of Train Effective, kind of accurate? Definitely. Yeah, I mean... Our, our vision is really to help every athlete reach their full potential. And, you know, athlete can mean anyone that really plays sport. And, and so, you know, what we got right now is a really professional sports academy in your pocket. And yeah, we, would, we just want to expand that. And when you think about, I want to get better at football, I want to get better at basketball, you think of train effective. That's the vision. Yeah, I think we're on our way and we just got to make it happen. Awesome. So we touched on it kind of earlier, but Train Effective also runs kind of football camps like worldwide. And so why did Train Effective decide to diversify from the app into running these types of activities, camps, that type of thing? Well, our vision is really an ecosystem. So, you know, it's not just something that includes the app. The app is a funnel. The app is a way for people to get access to, you know, education, to knowledge, the content for free. They want they can upgrade to the premium version get access to everything but through the app is where they start their journey they get better through the app eventually physically they also need a play. you can't just do everything on your own you've got to come to a place where there's coaching you're playing with other players because it is a team sport that's why we do our camps that's why right now we do also get scouts that come through the camps as well they can identify some of the talent the vision is really a virtual to physical ecosystem where we have the app we have physical camps. There are ideas being floated around where we'll have an agency in the future and even the football club where basically we're creating this ecosystem where we're democratizing access to anyone in the world. Anyone in the world can basically use the app. They can take their journey through the train effective ecosystem. And I don't think that's really been done before. So that's why it's exciting. Also, so maybe initially, what were kind of some of the challenges going from the physical app and then transferring them into the physical, the, the real life application of kind of these football camps? Was it easy to take maybe a video explaining how to take perfect corner kick, just running it in a real life scenario? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, kind yeah. of taking the principles. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's very different from doing an exercise unopposed. 
by your own versus doing it you know with people against people so that's one of the challenges we face it's people that are doing all this unopposed practice alone how can they best translate that in an opposed environment so th this is one of the challenges we get but the way we kind of work around that is basically saying guys look like when you're doing training make it match like do the speed same speed as a, as a match like a situation but also think about how you do it when there's there's opposition around you yeah how quickly you're going to play what happens if you miss are you setting targets things like that so th these are one of the challenges from taking the virtual to physical environment but yeah i think one of the things we'll do more in the future is the ar augmented reality the virtual reality stuff where i think we can better mimic that physical opposed practice to the unopposed stuff yeah that totally makes sense. So obviously we've established that you're very busy, your schedule's kind of very full, but what do you kind of do every day to look after your mental and physical well-being? Good question. First of all, I have like a very, very, very particular schedule. I always get the most important stuff done in the, in the morning. So I'm very much like, you know, that's CEO, four, five, six people that wake up at 5 a.m., like 4 a.m. and they, they like do... The first four hours of the day, most important kind of thing, that's definitely me. Although I, I definitely don't wake up at four because sleep is very important. What time do you wake up? I got the alarm set at 6.30. Yeah, I'll usually just block out the first few hours of the day just to get the deep work done. Then I'll know I really made some gains and the most important stuff that needs to get done. So I think mentally that opens up a lot of possibilities. I'll do the operational work the rest of the day. And because I have such long days, it can be 10, 12, 14 hour days, I'll always usually ended off with exercise. And funnily enough, that includes playing football. I actually still play with a team right now that that will train three times a week, game on the weekends. So I'm very much actually part of a team uh, environment. Very important for the social sphere, but also the physical and mental sphere too. So exercise and just forgetting about everything else at some point in the day, very extremely important, extremely important. I never actually thought I would ever say this, but do you ever get sick of football? Like you're, you're invested in it all day. You're playing also. It's like football, 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 football. And whilst it's the same for any, anyone, you know, everyone has those passions. They love it. But there's always that point where there's a little bit of burnout or they're like, I just can't do this right now. That kind of feeling. As a CEO, like my roles, are, my responsibilities are very different from what it was five years ago or three years ago, where I was very much involved in creating every piece of content. I was very much involved in watching games to see what we could analyze and put on the platform. Like for things like that, these days I'm much more, you know, talking to our staff. I'm much more doing, you know, calls like this, much more in the things that really about leadership and I actually right now don't even watch a lot of football. Someone was saying to me the other day, like, oh, they said yesterday, did you watch the Man City Real Madrid? Real Madrid? And I was like, oh, they played yesterday? Oh, got... <laughs> it's semi-final of the Champions League. You got <laughs> you got everyone watching that, but I didn't even really think about that. So so there you go. Um, roles have changed. And I think these days it's much more about how can I get the best out of others? How can I help others? and how can I help grow the brand rather than being involved in all the micro details. So that's why I don't get that burnout, yeah. Gotcha, out of everything that you've kind of been through so far and the lessons that you've learned, what's one key piece of advice that you'd like to pass on to anyone listening? Maybe, maybe they have ambitions to build their own apps in the future, start their own business. Yeah, I think be unashamedly passionate about 
following your heart. Be just unwavering about follow what feels right in your gut. I think we live in an age where there's so much information, so many gurus on social media, so many conflicting points of advice. You'll hear someone say, you know, raise money for your startup or you're not going to grow. And then you'll hear Gary Vee saying, don't raise money, just focus on actually making money. So you'll always have conflicting points of, of view from gurus that seem like experts. And I think we live in an age right now where it's so hard to actually just listen to what is that feeling inside you? What is your gut telling you? And increasingly more and more, I block out all the noise, block out whatever, whoever's saying what, I will listen to it, but ultimately it's just about following one's gut. The same when I was starting Train Effective and I thought, uh, other gurus say you've got to focus on a big market that's trending, that's growing, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. But look where we are today. If I never followed my gut and what my gut was saying, which was just give this a go and try this, then I would never, you know, would never be where we are. So it's follow your heart and follow that journey. Listen to your gut. Awesome. And you'd probably still be working in a bank, right? <laughs> But even even with the bank, Mike, like it was like I should give this a go. Like I, my brother was working for a bank when I was young. I thought that was the coolest thing ever because, wow, he was like living in London and he would tell me all these stories about that life and all this stuff. So I was like, oh, I should. This is really cool. So even that was my gut saying this would be awesome actually to get that experience in a corporate environment. And I did for one and a half, two years. I was in that environment, and I'm so glad for it. And that's why I'm just like follow your gut. I love it, man. And who's one person that you would like to see on, on the Tea with Mike show? Rio Ferdinand or somebody else? I think Tea. So the thing with Tea is I always connected with Zen. So I feel like, what's his name? Jay Shetty? Okay. Yeah, I feel like you guys would have a really good conversation. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, awesome. And then so like kind of finally, where can people find a train effective on socials and also the app store? Like how do people find you? Yeah, I'm everywhere. So I'm very much active on LinkedIn. So if you've got LinkedIn, Nick Humphreys, N-I-C-K, last name is H-U-M-P-H-R-I-E-S. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Nick Humph on Twitter, Nick Humph on Instagram, Nick Humph on TikTok. So yeah, just DM me, whatever, if you if you want. Yeah, traineffective.com if you want more information about the app. You can download it on the app stores. It's free, free in every country. Yeah, follow our TikTok, Train Effective TikTok. We're pretty active there as well. So if you're a fan of football, want some tips, Train Effective Official on TikTok is the place to be. Awesome, man. And finally, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate your time. No, I appreciate it, Mike. Like, I know we've been doing, trying to do this for a couple of months. Finally found a way to make it work with the time zone. Absolutely. Okay, everyone, this was another great episode of the Tea with Mike show with Nick Humphreys learning all about Nick's story and also the beginnings of Train Effective and a little hint about potentially what's coming down the pipeline. And so if you enjoyed Nick's story, make sure you check out all of the other great stories of people all over the world at teawithmike.com and on all of the major podcasting platforms. Thank you, Nick. It's the Tea with Mike show.